0: The Introvert's Edge podcast was designed to create a dialogue around introversion to stimulate a discussion around our disadvantages, how we overcome those disadvantages, and what we consider our introvert's edge. Together, we're finally going to confront the stigma around introversion, showing that we're not second class citizens. We're just different, and we need to embrace that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Introverts Edge podcast. And I, I have to say, I'm ecstatic about this next interview. You're going to see that this guy is going to echo a ton of some of the things that I've already told you. He just is going to tell you in a much more effective way. At least I hope he will. And I, I will say, this is a, a one of the rarest breeds of introverts that you'll find. He is an INTJ. And what that means is that... You will well. You will learn that he has almost a scientific approach. Yet you will find out that he has mastered the art of selling and public speaking, and as a matter of fact, that is what he chooses to do for a living. So for those people that haven't heard me enough to say that introverts are amazing speakers and they're amazing salespeople, you're going to hear somebody that also at the age of 19 was the best salesperson in the company of 44 officers that go went on to sell a ridiculous number of houses, 17 houses in real estate, which by the way, in real estate, that's actually not possible. So you're gonna hear how he went about doing that. He's started a whole bunch of businesses, he's had four best-selling books. As you can tell, he's an underachiever. And if you, if that's not enough, he has got a podcast called The Proven Entrepreneur that only only has a couple of thousand five-star reviews. So as if this is starting to sound like this guy isn't an, interview, uh, an introvert, introvert, I want to promise you that it is. As a matter of fact, on his website, he outwardly says it, which I'm ecstatic about. But Don Williams, welcome to the show, mate. I'm ecstatic to have you.
1: Matthew, thank you so much. I count it as a high honor to be your guest today.
0: Well, you know what's funny? I spent more time than I would ever um, actually getting ready for your introduction. And the reason being is it is such a diverse set of things. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they hear that and they 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 think to themselves oh that's that's how you become successful you just scatter and you do a whole bunch of different things all at the same time and i know that you know for a lot of the people that have been successful they they fixate and and focus on just one thing so i want to come back to the very beginning because you 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 were birthed in sales and yet you outwardly say you're an introvert you outwardly say that you've always been an introvert which by the way, for those people listening, you can't change who you are. It's just where you draw your energy. But I want to really take us back to, to early Dawn. And I I want you to kind of tell me, tell me when you felt that you were an introvert. Did you did you always have that word for it? Or was that a later discovery? And how did that then lead to jumping into sales and going, I can do this?
1: Great question. And so, um, and and funny answer. So Um, I was raised in a household with both my parents. My parents are still married today. and um, So I was blessed with that. And my father was a United States Marine. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. So I had a very um, dominant father. And uh, I was a quiet kid. And so I'd speak if you you know, made me, if you ask me a question, I would speak. But other than that, I'm, I was content to observe, which I think that's probably common with introverts. And about age 11 or 12, I began to be interested in half of the population. Of the world. I began being interested in girls, but I couldn't talk to girls. And so I was like, uh, there's some some, on one of these comedy shows that's on television, you know, the guy, he can't talk to girls. And that's funny. Well, it's not funny for the guy. It's not funny at all. And so, um, I read a book. My dad was in life insurance on the side and I read a book of his, how to win friends and influence people. And I was maybe 11 or 12. And I, I believed that well, girls are people too. And I'd, I'd like to win some girls and I'd like to influence some girls. And so I read that book for the first time at 11 or 12. And to me, it's like book 101 of human relations. Start there. And I don't care if you're 80, if you haven't read the book, go get the book. It's about 100 years old or 90 years old, but um, timeless principles. And And I knew then that I always knew I was kind of shy and kind of quiet and um, and I'm I'm still today kind of shy I'm not very quiet anymore but I'm just I'm just a loud introvert (laughs) there is such a thing I I still prefer to be by my I'm very happy in the company of myself and that recharges my batteries. And I I think we've talked about this before, even at events where I will go and speak, I won't talk to anybody that day. I will not talk to my wife because I want to show up on stage with all of my energy, all of my ammunition, and then I'm going to lay it all, leave it all on the stage and I'll save a little bit for handshakes and hugs and the after party, so to speak but then I'm going to want to be alone. That's
0: that, that's interesting. And one of the things I'm noticing is I'm talking to you and it's funny. You have this uh, same approach and it's interesting. You, you get two introverts that talk that are enjoying the same topic and you would swear that they were both extroverted, right? Because you and I banter, we have great fun. Um, just before this, we were joking because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on your podcast tomorrow and, and uh, we were talking about how I'm going to need the weekend to recover. But yet, I ask you this question and I was, and this comes a lot with my planning and preparation and I've always been excited to do these types of interviews so my energy levels go up and of course I'm an Australian so I tend to speak a little bit faster and yet most people wouldn't feel comfortable interacting and doing what you just did so I want to pay specific attention to it. One was you slowed the conversation down and you felt comfortable with pregnant pauses and for a lot of introverts, they feel, and I'm just going to call this out because people, I believe that people would have heard this, you, you do that, and said, this person's an authority, they're comfortable in their own space. Yet for a lot of introverts that would have received the question that I just gave them, they would have felt that they needed to match my intensity. And perhaps that's not their natural, authentic way of, of, of communicating that it's mine, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's theirs. Was that something you've always done or always felt comfortable doing? Or is that something you've had to learn over time to be comfortable to do? Great question.
1: I think I've always... And maybe this is true of introverts. You will probably know this better than me. But I've always felt like I was different. Sometimes I think that was positive and sometimes not. But I've always felt that I was different different. And I've been in selling, words are my friends. So I've been in selling, I write books, I have a podcast. Nothing makes me happier than to give me a microphone and point me at a stage and tell me to go talk. Words are my friends. But I think after a career, my delivery Because I think speaking rests on two pillars, content and delivery. There are some speakers that have unbelievable content, but their delivery is so bad nobody can listen to them. There are other people whose content is totally empty. Now, their delivery is phenomenal, but neither one of those will inspire anybody to actually go do something. And in selling or in leadership, or at this point in my life, I really only want to work with people who are going to learn and do people that just want to learn, God love them, but, but I don't have enough time to invest in those people. I want to invest in people that want to learn and do. And so, um, I think my, my communication style has morphed and evolved. And if I live to be 150, I'll, I'll perfect it. I don't think that's possible, but it would take me that long to probably get it there. But um, I think I've always been a, a good communicator. I thought I was going to be a baseball player. I love baseball. My, my father did not think that was going to happen. And <laughs> turns out he was right. Uh, but uh, I can remember in high school, and I came and I lived in a very authoritarian house. In a in a different time of the world, where kids didn't have opinions, <laughs> and if you did, you didn't share them. And so um, I remember going into high school, and Dad said, "Now you're going to take debate." And I was like, "I'm not taking debate. I'm not." And, and, well, I took debate, and I, you know, it turned out I was a pretty good debater. And so I think selling, and I think leadership you know, is clear communication with a little bit of persuasion. And, and I think most people in selling are like, oh no, it's it's all this persuasion and manipulation and NLP. And And I'm like, I think all that comes into play. But I think most people don't buy because they never really understood what the offer was. You never made it clear that I'm gonna give you this, this and this in return for this small amount of money to where, and I'm going to present it in a way that you're going to throw your money at me. Because what I'm giving you, you know, if if I'm going to sell you a $300,000 Lamborghini, brand new off the showroom floor for $100,000. So if I sell it to you for three hundred, dollars it's a $300,000 car. Sell it to you for $300,000. It's a nice car. It's a $300,000 car. But there's no real value in there. But if you let me buy the $300,000 car for the $100,000, that 200 that's value. And when you present your product, service, or experience where that value is magnified, selling gets real easy. People just throw their money at you. They're just like, take my money. Give me that. Yeah. Give me that.
0: I'm, I'm with you on that. I think for a lot of people, and I know in a lot of your videos you talk about sales is actually really, really hard if you're doing it wrong. But when you do it right, it's actually kind of easy. And I'm a big advocate of sales process, and I know you are as well. I I kind of learned the hard way. I fell into door-to-door sales, and I went, oh, my gosh, 93 doors for my first sale. I'm not doing that again. I need to find a smarter way of doing this and learn by watching YouTube videos. I'm, I'm interested in... How how you found sales methodology? Is it that you've always been? I mean, your I mean your Myers Briggs profile says by nature I'm I'm scientific and I I follow process. But a lot of I work with a lot of engineers that follow process in everything they do. But when it comes to sales, they're like, oh, I've got a it like those extroverts. So when you first started in sales, did you naturally go, oh, I need to do a sales process that nobody was talking about that? I mean, no one was talking about it when I was you know, 19, and when you were 19, I'm, I'm assuming there was, there was far less people sharing that and people pushing the door-to-door salesperson and the want to wing it. How did you find your way? Well, firstly, how did you find your way into sales? And then how did you find your way into sales systematic process?
1: Great questions. So when I graduated high school, before I entered college, it was about a three-month time frame here in the States, I went to work for a meat packing company. So if you ever saw the movie Rocky, where he's pounding on the sides of beef, I worked in a place where they had the sides of beef and they cut steaks, roasts, et cetera. And a friend of mine had a door-to-door sales job, which I commend you for doing that. And even more for knocking on the 93rd door. Cause that, that took some, took some, took some moxie. And I mean, that just took some guts to do that. So I had a friend who was selling fuller brush, which I don't even know if they're available in business anymore, but they basically sold kitchen cleaners and tools door to door. And he called me one day and I forget he had made six or $700. This would have been in 1978 in a week, which was about three times what I was making, working in a meat packing plant. And so. I said, Do they need help? He said, I think so. I went and interviewed, they hired me, and their sales training was sit with a sales rep for three presentations. And and the sales rep I sat with, he did not make a sale. And on the fourth presentation of the day, I asked him, I was like, hey, I think I have enough. I think I understand enough of it. Can I, can I present? And if I make the sale, it'll be your sale. I just want to do the talk. Well, I made the sale. And, um, and so they, when I went for my, this was pre-interview, when I went for my interview, they said, we don't want to hire you, but you already made a sale. And so we'll have to hire you. I was like, okay, I'm 18 years old. What do I know? And and I would say early on, because the national average for closing percentage in that business was about a third, which for most companies, that would be rare air. That would be very, very good. Mine was almost double that. I was in the low 60s. And people would say, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, really. I know that people like to buy from me and I know that I let them. I try and not do anything to keep them from buying from me. And I said, if I had any secret at all, I would say I'm very, very sincere. And brutally honest. And brutal honesty is so rare it would just shock people into buying from you. People are so used to salespeople painting blue sky. This will cure cancer end hunger world peace. If you just buy my thing and nobody believes it The the prospect doesn't believe it, they don't believe it. But if you're just brutally honest, you'll sell more of whatever you sell. And I think today they would call that authenticity, not sincerity. But I also think this, whatever you are going to sell, I think there's three primary objections and a million secondary and tertiary, but the three primary are number one is trust. I just don't feel good enough about you or it and I'm just not doing it. And many times the prospect doesn't even know, but that's what it is. If you, if you could get them to quiet down, the next is no money and then no time. And that covers about 99% of all objections. And, um, the trust thing to me is about 90% of it. If people can trust you, they want to buy from you. And and I get clients and people, you know, after a talk, they're like, well, how do I build trust? I'm like, man, you're not going to like this answer. Be trustworthy. <laughs> you know, if there's, There's not some magic formula. It's like, do what you're gonna say, say what you're gonna do, keep every promise, you know, make big bold promises and then over deliver. And it would just shock, people will literally just fall out of their chair. They're so used to being let down by their own team, their own staff, their own family, their own friends. You know, that when you come through, when Matthew, hey, if Matthew told me, I'm taking it to the bank. When you have that kind of trust established, people will, you find out, that they'll throw their money at you. I'm in the throw their money at me business. I don't want to be in the selling, business. eek. I want to be in the deliver way too much value.
0: What's really interesting about that, Don, is, I find that most people that I hear, and I I actually prefer the word sincere than the word authentic, because I find that lots of people will say, I don't want to be that slimy salesperson because I need to be authentic. And I personally believe that the best way to sell, I mean, and it's... the word sales is actually derived from the Scandinavian term to serve. So I believe the best way to sell is to serve your clients. And I, I like the concept of being sincere because the best way to serve your clients is sincerely giving them something that adds value. And I'm, you know, quite frequently from stage, I, when I'm doing sales kickoffs, I'm like, if you've got a product that doesn't, Benefit your clients. Stop selling. Don't use any of the stuff I'm about to teach you, right? Because I don't want to help you not serve. But if you truly believe that what you do serves and betters the person you're talking to, stop doing that extroverted dance. Stop painting the sky blue. Stop telling them all these fairy stories that they won't treat as trustworthy. And get down to brass tacks. And if you have to tell them, this will not work for you if you do not make this change. And if that is difficult, you need to know that and you need to agree to move forward anyway. Otherwise, stop telling yourself a lie that you want this outcome, right? Just be okay with where you're at, right? You're not starving. You're living in a nice house. Move on. Just move forward with your life and stop telling yourself that you want this thing. And sometimes people struggle with that because they've heard... That in sales, they have to talk about themselves, talk about their product, and it's all I, I, I. And then introverts don't like that. So because of that, they try to be authentic. And their authentic self feels that they need to educate a client, which just overwhelms them with a fire hose of information, which stops them buying anyway. And what I've seen in a lot of your content is you say, stop doing all of that. And understand where the customer is from their point of view. And whether it's sales, whether it's building a world-class team, whether it's delighting your customers, it's picking yourself up out of this place that introverts, I don't understand why they want to be there, but they go there for when they're trying to sell. And putting yourself in the customer's shoes and then sincerely speaking to their needs, their wants, and their fears. How do you, in your, because you've coached so many people, how do you get people out of this eye centric into this understanding of the other person and getting back to sincerity.
1: I, I love that. So, if I can make one comment first and then I'll answer that. So, if you're not selling something that you know the value of your product service experience far outweighs the dollars you're asking for, please quit and find something does, because you'll never, you'll never reach the height you could and should reach if you sell something that is of questionable value. I believe so much in what I do that your money will be worthless to you compared to what I'm going to give you. And, and, and that's how you build a value proposition. Okay. So second off, question, tell me again, Matthew, I'm sorry, I lost my train.
0: The question really was, how do you get people from that selfish eye to moving into that sincerity in, in, in the other person's shoes?
1: Love that. And so here's kind of my thoughts on perspective or point of view. In your relationship with your wife, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with your friends, your teammates, your prospects, and your relationship with the world. You have a perspective. You have a way you see things. Okay. And, and some people take this word as negative. It's not, it's a neutral word. Bias. How you see things is your bias. It's not, doesn't mean it's negative. Okay. It doesn't mean prejudice. That's a different word. Bias just means here's how I see things. Your wife, your kids, your family, your friends, your teammates, your prospects, they have a different point of view. They have a different bias. They came from a different place. They've experienced different things. They see things different, and that's known as perspective or point of view. Between the two, when it comes to influence, that could be leadership, that could be sales, Between the two, only one of them has any importance. And it ain't yours. It's theirs. And so if you really want to have significant influence with other people, it's not advisable. It's mandatory. You must see things from their point of view. And... It's not, it's not easy necessarily. That can take some practice, but it's as simple as this. So when I came to this podcast today, I told myself, what can I deliver for Matthew to make this the best podcast in history? Now, that's pretty big, pretty big. I'm probably not going to get there. But it is my goal, okay, and if I have a really high goal and I miss it, I still got somewhere. And if you have a really low goal and you miss it, you got nowhere. So um, on perspective, you have to be adult and be a realist that my natural self wants to see things from my point of view, but my high-performing self knows that I must see things from your point of
0: view. I think that's really valuable. I, I feel that introverts have a real strength at this as long as they let go of their want to serve everybody or their feeling that they need to sell to everyone. And I, I wish we had time to get more into to marketing because people shouldn't be selling to everyone and their product doesn't serve everyone equally. But instead, I want to I wanna go more deeply into the reasons why, why introverts firstly have an advantage because I believe that our ability to empathize does put our put us in the person's shoes much easier if we let ourselves but I do also think when we're selling it's our negative self-talk it's the the concepts of we need to get this person to buy and they're they're not going to take me seriously and I don't know enough and I don't want to be salesy that kind of gets in our own way of being real authentic sincere people and actually being able to serve those clients so I'm sure you've dealt with many an introvert with negative self-talk around the concept of selling and not wanting to feel icky to their disadvantage and to their client's disadvantage. To those people that aren't getting past that psychological barrier to put themselves in their customer's shoes, what advice would you give them?
1: Man, and, and we talked about this a little offline and you mentioned negative self-talk. and I think I replied something like, I've heard of that. I I, I, I don't have that. Um, but I have, I have heard of that, but, but I would say this, there was a book, there's a series of books written by a guy by the name of Ogmandino. And the one that I'm thinking of in particular is a book called the greatest miracle in the world. And the, and the thesis of the book is basically this leading up to your conception of, where where you were born, where you were, where, where you you were not before and the, and the sperm penetrated the egg and now you are going to be, okay? So some people might say that is your actual birth. All I know is you weren't you were nothing before. The intersection of the two, you are something. At that point, mathematically and physiologically, One of 400 million people could have been started. But it was you. Now that's longer odds than the lottery. And so when you realize that, depending on your faith system, your belief system, whether God or the universe or whatever, when you realize there aren't really no accidents. Og's book, and I personally believe this, you are the greatest miracle on the planet. And once you realize that, I mean, like if we're in selling, I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? They say no. And in my first sales job, 40 some offices, the policy of the company was and about 10 salespeople in office, 10 12 probably. But the bottom person on the last, on the closing of the last day of the month got fired every month, making every how long you'd been there. Okay. It, and they didn't even fire you. You just knew don't come back
0: because we were heartbreakers
1: life. and life takers.
0: Yeah, that's the Enron world, right? Everybody, last bottom people, all gone, all gone. Absolutely,
1: all gone. absolutely. And so, so like the worst, worst, worst thing that can happen is you'd lose your job. Okay, well, that's not great, but it's not cancer. It's not, I got hit by a truck, okay, and so the worst thing that can happen for most salespeople is somebody tells you no. And you got to keep in mind, I've sold billions of dollars of product services and experiences. And, and by me, I don't Not I didn't always get the order, but people that I were coaching did. And, and we did billions for GE real estate alone. I mean, that that was just crazy, but it was a big, t- big, big, big ticket. But the, but the thing is, is this, um, If, if, you, if you have a case of negative self-talk, here, here's a takeaway. Please find five or 10 positive affirmations to offset that self-talk. Print them out, write them down. And every morning, start out with, I actually am a really good person. I actually believe in this product. I actually want the best for their people and begin working on your mindset because that's all it is. It's kind of like readers. People say good reader, bad reader. And I'm like, nah, trained or untrained. Same thing on mindset. There's people that are trained on how to manage their mindset. And there are people that their mindset is managing them. And so um, number number one skill is to get in control of your mindset.
0: I think there's nothing more important than mindset and I, I see a lot of people that go into sales and their mind's not ready to sell and I understand the the rejection thing I mean Brian Tracy talks about that people perceive rejection the same as getting spanked as a child and I I don't feel that way I I, I but I understand the the connection because it's that imagined pain but I prefer, again, my number one rule in sales and networking is that it's not about me, it's about the customer. And I, I feel that you, everything you've said highlights the exact same thing. So I tend to focus on imagining what the customer's life is like if I don't close the deal and how much harder it is and how it continues to go. You know, what fights are they having that they needn't of if I was able to sell? What struggles are they having? You know, what, not you know, Bouncing them out of bed in the morning and getting harder and harder and what's keeping them up at night. And if I focus on that then I almost feel like sometimes I'm in a sale and the customer's in their own way, and that's the way I look at it, and I feel like I have to do an intervention. If I have to, fine, even if they don't buy from me. And I feel that that is, is liberating, but it comes from a, a place of care, and I think that really comes back to to your word, sincerity. It's if I sincerely believe that their life is disfortu- is going to be less fortunate because I don't sell to them, then I owe it to them to then sell. And if, but to be able to think that way, you're 100% correct. We've got to stop beating ourselves up. And I see so many introverts like they hammer themselves on everything that goes wrong and then anything that goes correctly. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, of course that was going to happen. And they don't give themselves any success. And then you start suggesting affirmations and they're like, well, I don't want to be full of myself. I don't want to, and I'm like, you're spending so much time beating yourself up. At least give yourself some credit. To those people that, that are uncomfortable with the concept of, of affirmations and getting to that point of, of saying all these things that are positive about themselves, what would you do to confront them with the reality? You wish, in everything that you write, it's all about giving the honest truth. What honest truth would you give people that are like, I don't feel comfortable, it's, it's a waste of time, it's, it's not something that I feel comfortable doing? What would you say?
1: I'd take a big breath and I'd give a big (laughs) sigh like I just did. And I would say this. Here's what I know, and, and this is straight out of the Book of Dawn. Here's what I know about comfort zone physics. I love my comfort zone. You love your comfort zone. We all love our comfort zones. Why? It's comfortable. It's like my favorite chair. You know, I, like you, travel a lot. I have met many strange pillows in my lifetime like many, I have a favorite one and it's on my bed. And that's my comfort zone. But here's what I know about comfort zone physics. If I step out of my comfort zone into my uncomfortable, my discomfortable, my not comfortable zone, you know what happens? My comfort zone expands. And I step out the next time and it expands. And I step out the next time and it expands and so on and so forth. And at a certain point, you realize that your goal is to get out of your comfort zone as far and as fast and as often as you can, okay? because that's where your potential and that's where your growth exists. And so for the person who says, I'm not comfortable doing affirmations, I say, good, do it anyway. Okay, and it's not important that... You know, I think many times we forget we're going to get beat with one end of the stick or the other. I think salespeople and certainly junior salespeople psychologically die a little bit with every no. And and that's a little over exaggeration, but if you're a salesperson, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And by the same token, you can get six no's in a row or like Matthew's case, 92, which means he was really persistent or not very intelligent. Just kidding, Matthew. Just kidding. Not very
0: intelligent. I don't know why I did. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but but my point is this: you get six nose, die a little bit, be on mental emotional life support at that point, make one sale, and it's like you're totally rejuvenated. You're totally resurrected. Okay, I'm king of the hill, and then and then look at people like at people like Michael Jordan. Okay. So, and you pull it up on Google, you know, Michael made, I don't know, 30,000 points or whatever. Okay. But he missed like 50,000 shots. Okay. And some of the people who hit big numbers, no, all the people who hit, hit big numbers, they took a lot of swings. They shot a lot of shots. Okay. And, and their mindset didn't let that death be more than just discomfort. And I would tell you this, if somebody doesn't buy from me today, I still, I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it more because something you said, Matthew, I know they're not going to enjoy the benefit they would have had from my product, service, or experience. So, you know, I do sales and sales process consulting. And I am really, really expensive. But if you look at it a different way, I'm totally free. Because, so, so I have a client and I'm, I'm doing some of this on social media right now, po- posting client wins. So I'm bragging on my client and that kind of trickles down, you know, to me. But I have one client that, um, And they've done these events before, and the record is about 100 sales in the first 72 hours, first three days. We did 325 sales, over $1,500 each, in an industry with 30 years experience, and we tripled the best that's ever been done. And so I've had a lot of people call and say, how did you do that? I'm like, man, we asked a lot of people to buy and we asked them in a really smart manner. And so they did. And if I have to be honest, my goal was to sell 500. So while we hit this pinnacle that nobody's ever done before, I didn't get my goal. My goal is to sell 500. We sold 325. The best ever been done before is 100. Okay. But, um, manage that mindset, get out of your comfort zone. Good. Gosh. (laughs)
0: You You know, I think that what you just said is really interesting because anything that I do, I like to see myself as a profit center, not a cost center. Like I know you and I both speak at EO events all the time and I went, well, I want to speak at EO and I'm, more expensive to speak at events than a lot of the speakers that speak at eo and i said well how am i going to be a profit center for them i know i'll do membership drives because i believe in the product and i will therefore you know soft sell i from stage i'll do these videos to help them get people in and it's congruent authentic or in your words sincere to me because i really wish i had that when i was growing up and starting my businesses and while i was lucky enough to be very successful i was also unlucky enough not to discover something like eo or some form of associational group that I could really talk about because everybody I knew thought I was really successful and they couldn't teach me anything. And I, I missed having that. And it, and it gave me that that opportunity. I think that everybody that, that's listening, especially the, the small business owners, and I know that I have a large small business audience, you always need to whether you're a bookkeeper or accountant, uh, or to a ghostwriter, to a sales coach, to a business coach, You need to know the ROI that you're giving your clients. And if you don't know the ROI, go and ask them. It blows me away how often I have to say, well, tell me about your clients and the great results you get. Well, what does that lead into ROI? I've got no idea. Well, go find out. And then it's much easier to understand a customer that you're speaking to because they are in a situation and you've seen many, many times that you can be a profit center to them. And because of that, they'll feel much more comfortable. And this is this is all learned process. And I'm not saying to anyone that's listening that you have to learn my process or you have to learn Don's process. But it is important when you have a problem that you make a decision to learn how to fix it. And I know, Don, you've got a very I'm going to say very sophisticated because you and I are very aligned on how to go about fixing um, f- fixing problems. So I'm going to say it's, it's an amazing, um, super sophisticated plan. <laughs> but when people are presented with problems in, in business, in their careers, in, in leadership, right across the board, I tend to find that people say, I think this is my problem. And then they Google and the first three suggestions on Google – that's their problem must be one of those three. And then they buy something or go down that rabbit hole and fix and, and fixate on that. And I feel that like that's ludicrous. And I know you do too. So what advice would you give to people that perhaps have one problem, but actually it's another or know what their problem is, but want to stay in that, as you said it, the comfort zone?
1: I give you, I give you two opposing, yet very similar answers. One, If I can hire Matthew for a million dollars and Matthew can deliver $10 10 million margin dollars, so whatever my cost of goods, whatever my gross sales, but if he can deliver 10 million margin dollars, Matthew, you're hired. Now, most entrepreneurs, most salespeople, most business people, will, they'll check out at the hire Matthew for a million dollars. They're done, like Absolutely not. I don't care what he can do. But, and so my point is, is this, if you can hire a coach, a consultant, or an advisor who can just give you the answers to the test, forget learning it, just I'm doing my PhD in life. I I don't know the answer to these 17 questions. I'm, I'm gonna either have to pay through years of pain, fumbling around and maybe I figure it out, or I can just give Matthew a million dollars and in 12 months, I'm gonna get $10 million margin dollars. That's crazy not to do that. I, frankly, I don't wanna know everything. At this point in my life, I am really zealous protector of what I let people put in my brain. Because I've been reading two books a week for 40 years. Sometimes I'm 50 pages into a book when I'm like, I've read this book. Okay. (laughs) So that's one answer. Okay. If you can get somebody who can just give you the answers to the test, just cheat. It's not cheating though. It's just being smart. Okay. So that's one. Two, I'm give you three answers. Two, explore everything you think, everything you can find, and then talk to people that are different than you and see what they have to say about it. Explore all of the options. So, Matthew and I are a lot of fun to hang together because we're we both we're, we're brothers from other mothers. I mean, we see so many things similar though his way of articulating and mine are a little different. But if you peel that part of the onion back, you're like, eh, but but it's the same thing. Perspective and point of view and mindset and on and on. So you can't really say you've explored all the options until you get people that are not anything like you because they're going to see it. Remember that perspective thing. Their bias is going to be different. And if you play the game of opposites, This is a tough one, guys. This is like next level Jedi stuff. Whatever your bias reaction is, ask yourself for a second, could the exact opposite be true? And if you're like me, many times you're going to be, ooh, it could be. Not is it, I don't know if it is yet at this point, but could it be true? And you're gonna find that it is. And so that's gonna tell you, I gotta get more people's perspectives before I make decisions, okay? Now don't get the paralysis analysis. Get the information, make a decision, move on. Even if it's wrong, you can always change your mind. The other thing I would tell you is this. I have a really good friend here in Dallas Rex Kersey, a super smart guy. And his first company, I think he exited for 10 million, the next one 25. And I haven't seen him in a while, but he had a company where he was going to exit for $100 million. And and his brother started MailChimp. So, well, yeah. So, solid business guy, super smart. And he would tell you that you have two jobs Television, 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 television. And I think that's true. And I think most entrepreneurs first off have to get a vision. They don't actually have one, so they can't tell it. So get a vision and then television, 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 television. Tell your people your vision, repeat it over and over. When they laugh at you, say, ha ha. Yeah. But have I told you about the vision lately? Tell them about the vision. Hi, Matthew. Here's the vision. Matthew, see you tomorrow. And did I tell you the vision? Okay, that's job one. Job two is get the best people on the planet to make the vision reality. And so if you can hire somebody like Matthew who can drive your sales through the moon, it's his natural gift. Now, he's learned a lot. He's a lot better at it than when he started. But the young man who knocked on 93 doors, he was born with enough of the right stuff to knock on 93 doors. Now he's learned and refined and improved and, you know, perfected his craft over the years. But if you don't have that kind of sales talent, why not? You, you may not be able to afford them full time, You don't have to get a piece, get a slice. You know, I had one of my very first consulting clients, they came to me and they scoped the project and I told them, ah, it's gonna be $25,000. And I can see them wince. And it was 10 hours work, 2,500 an hour. It's hard to explain to my attorneys who charge me less than that. That's what I'm charging them. Okay. And so I gave him a deal. I said, okay, well, give me this much up front and and then I'll bet the balance with you. And I want it at 20% of the margin as you collect it. So I'll make it pain free. We don't get the job done. You owe me nothing. We get the job done. You collect money. Every time you keep four margin dollars, I get a dollar. Okay. Trying to make this easy as I can for you, Mr. Prospect. Now here's the rub. You didn't give me all the money up front, which eliminated my risk. Now I'm accepting my risk on 75 cents on the dollar. And so I want four X. I want a four X return. Well, it took two years. They paid the four X. And when I tell that story, people are like, man, that was, that was really expensive. It's like, oh my gosh. I get a dollar. He got four. He absolutely would not have have gotten any of those dollars. And so, and, and I'm not talking about gross dollars. I'm talking about margin dollars. We took cost of goods out. Okay. So like, so like every time you get four, I want one. And, and I have clients that are like, oh, I can never do that. And I, well, I, I don't have clients like that. I have people who tell me that, and I'm like, you are not my client. I cannot help you.
0: You know, it, it it's
1: illogical, me. makes no sense.
0: It shocks me when people say stuff like this because, I mean, yes, they're highlighting that they're, they're they're not, they don't have the right mindset yet to make, well, really to have their own business because you always have to invest to grow your business, whether it's investing your time to learn how to do things better. And I do feel that a lot of people, they just wanna make a great six figure income in a business that revolves around them, their family and their life where they do their functional skill. but. They can't do that and run a business. They have to do things outside their functional skill. They have to be willing to have these dialogues. And in truth, I see so many people that really care for their customers and they really want to see them succeed. And then they say, well, you know, I, can't, I, I struggle with talking about money because, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm supposed to be serving. I, and I've got this great skill and I want to serve them. And I'm like, yeah, but you won't be serving them for very long if you don't get paid because if you don't get paid, you don't eat. And if you don't eat, you have to go and work for someone else. And now you're not serving anybody. And yet that psychology a lot of times g- gets in their way. But I want to I wanna come back to the learning piece because I really want to f- – i really want people to understand what you highlighted there about understanding and evaluating all the options because what i find is that a lot of people will say okay i've looked at three things that's the one i'm going with but what you really highlighted there is getting out i mean this when you said it was jedi stuff you're not kidding it's get away from the fixed mindset move into growth mindset this is combating negative self-talk of that's not for me that's not for me because i listened to the first two seconds getting out of your comfort zone of pushing you to do anything that you're not comfortable with The way I, I mean, I binge watch YouTube when I'm interested in a specific idea. I listen to everything at two times speed. And I just churn through content with this mindset of maybe that'll work for me, even if I totally disagree with their premise at the beginning. And then I shortlist. And then I do exactly like you talk about your videos. I evaluate and test. And then I make a decision. And for those people that are listening, like... I really want, I mean, Don's got an amazing YouTube channel where, I mean, there was more, there's, I taught myself how to sell watching YouTube. There's more on Don's YouTube channel than I had to learn on on YouTube when I was learning sales. So I would, I would highly recommend for, for people to, Uh, to to check that out. Um, But, you know, Don, we're out of time. I I really wanted to spend time talking about gratitude. You just got too much content. It's your own fault. So uh, (laughs) what I would suggest is for for those people that loved going down, because this was a rabbit hole that you and I went down today, um, for those people that want, that have enjoyed touching the surface of the great value that you provide, that want to take that next step into learning more about you and the content that you have, where would you suggest they go?
1: Oh, any of the social media media channels, we're prolific on every everything I think. Um, my website, donwilliamsglobal.com. And um, and I will gratitude is such a big piece in my life and and one of my missions. I'm g- I'm gonna give you a QR code, Matthew, that anybody who wants to download my gratitude book absolutely free you go to Amazon and buy it if you want. Okay. I'll make the same amount of money. We donate all money above publishing costs to St. Jude children's research hospital. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll send you a QR code and you can make it available if you so choose where people can download the book. Um, there's, there's no, Oh yeah. And we're going to try and sell you whatever. It's like, you can have the book and, um, and you can find me anywhere on social media uh, anywhere, you know the big LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube. I think that's it. I told somebody one time I was everywhere, and they they said some site, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And then they told me what it was, and so I was like, Oh no, I'm not. I'm not on that site. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some I'm not on. Okay,
0: but well. I would recommend that people definitely check that out. We will put that in the show notes for people, the QR code. Uh, for for those people that are listening, though, I I really would recommend you check out the book. I, I was joking with Don beforehand that there's the people at the top echelon. And I will tell you, my best clients, they were so appreciative of me before I like before I even started delivering value, because they just know gratitude is a part of their life that's made their life better and allowed them to get better outcomes. And then you've got people at the very bottom of the run that tend to also demonstrate gratitude, but to, to Don's point demonstrate no action that gets them to have better lives. But what I would suggest is there's this middle ground that tends to look at the gra- the grateful people below and say, I don't want to be like them. I've got to do the hustle. I've got to do the grind. Yet I would suggest that everybody at the top, in the top 1%, top 5% demonstrate some form or lots of different forms of gratitude. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. And I'll put, as I said, I, I will put that in the show notes. Don, I have to finish with my last question. That's probably the most important question for me just because... Everybody thinks introverts have a disadvantage. Everyone knows that we that we don't have this gift of gab. And while I believe that that doesn't even matter, and truthfully, we have the edge when it comes to most things that it would be considered so-called extroverted arenas, I've been blown away at some of the responses I get to this question. What would you consider your introvert's edge?
1: My introverted edge.
0: So my competitive advantage?
1: Hmm, didn't see that one coming, Matthew. I learned, so, you know, I, I was born with a certain set of skills and I was blessed beyond a lot of people and I acknowledge that. But I believe the world will love the real you and have very little time or attention for the not real you. I think everybody's two people. They're the person on stage and the person behind the curtain, the person they really are and the person they want people to think they are. And in my life, I'll tell you the magic happened for me when I had the guts to open the curtain, stick my nose out and step through. And so, you are enough. You are way more than enough. Just be you. I think I'll leave it there, brother. I'm just that's, being me.
0: That's great advice, and I, you know, it's interesting. I, I was certain you'll, the 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 answer you would have given was your sincerity, and what was interesting about how you answered that question. And for every introvert that listened to this, it was a curveball question that Don wasn't ready for, but he took time to consider. He didn't feel like he had to have the answer straight away because he leaned in to his introvert. For those people that are listening, I could see the wheels turning. And he was like, okay, how do I answer this question in an honest and sincere way? For what I witnessed was the real edge that I've seen with you over and over again is how do I honestly and sincerely tell this person what I believe is the truth at this point in time? And I feel that you've just demonstrated that over and over again. And I, I'm going to demonstrate gratitude. I am so grateful that you shared so much great value with my audience. And I've, I know I, I was taking some notes myself during this session because there are so many points that you, that you touched on that are all life lessons that people should be implementing daily. If, and I, I believe that many people that are listening to this have never implemented half of this stuff ever, rather than daily. So I I appreciate you being so generous with my audience, mate. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here today, Matthew.
0: And for those listening and that enjoyed uh, this episode, please make sure you check out The Proven Entrepreneur where Don will get um, to trade places with me and perhaps throw me a few curveball questions to get even. But for everyone that enjoyed this episode, thank you so much for joining us and make sure you check out other episodes. There's some phenomenal introverted titans that are inside the Introverts Edge podcast that have so much value to give you, to help inspire you to realize that you're not a second-class citizen. Your path to success is just different. And the truth is, introversion is not a disadvantage. It is an absolute edge. But for today, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you in the next one. Cheers everyone. Thank you. I'm Matthew Pollard, the author of the Introverts Edge to Networking. I'm on a mission to help introverts to be proud of who we are. For the first time, you'll learn a process for networking that feels comfortable and authentic to you as an introvert. A process that doesn't feel salesy or awkward in any way. I saw at least half of my board members, three in particular, that I can think of that now are so comfortable
1: in literally going up to people at events, all of a sudden I can see the confidence.
0: Most of the networking books and literature out there really focus on hardcore tactics designed for extroverts. As introverts, we're different and we need to embrace that. We need a system that allows us to channel our natural introverted strengths into the networking room you will learn how to be successful at face-to-face networking and a masterful online networker on your terms. It's beautifully written and it provides tremendous value. So I, I, I am honored to to say, folks, if you haven't looked at the book, you really need to check out this guy's book. It's, it's excellent.
1: It gives you that confidence to truly be yourself, knowing that you're gonna be presenting yourself in a way that is authentic and will also really resonate with the person that you're talking
0: with. One of the things you'll love about the introverts edge to networking is it's jam packed full of more than 20 stories of introverts just like you. People that have likely started in much tougher spots than where you are right now and how they've leveraged the strategies that you'll be learning to obtain phenomenal career and small business success. I was about to give up on my business. The results
1: started coming in right away. In fact, a year later, the Chamber of Commerce awarded me the
0: business of the year. (laughs) You need to go read his book because everything he does is what people need, whether they're an introvert or not. I've been fortunate to receive endorsements from some exceptional introverts like Neil Patel and Ivan Meisner, the founder of the world's largest networking group, BNI. What I love about The Introvert's Edge is that it talks about the things that make an introvert successful. The Introvert's Edge to networking is going to destroy all of the barriers that you have around whether success in networking is possible for you.
1: Now I'm up to kind of five figures, you know, triple my prices
0: or more. It was like the deals just kept coming in and coming in. And I mean, it was incredible. Like I had never seen anything like it before. I was able to triple my revenue and that happened within six months. We've gone from 10 million a year to 20 million a year. I wrote the Introverts Edge to networking after the success of the first in the Introverts Edge series which focused on sales. I decided that it was just as important, perhaps even more so, that we had a networking book that was designed to help us as introverts dominate in the networking room and in online networking that was specifically written for us. So if you're an introvert, don't delay. Head to the introvertsedge.com forward slash networking to get access to the first chapter of my new book completely for free today.